0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the My Ely Story podcast. I'm your host, Brett Ross. Thank you so much for joining me once again, as we hear stories from some of the unique and fascinating people who call my favorite small town, Ely, Minnesota, their home. A big thanks, as always, to the Ely Tourism Bureau for making this show possible. You can follow them on social media at elymn on the web at ely.org, and you can email tourism at ely.org with feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review if you'd be so kind. Today's guest is Johnny Hyde. She's an EMT, a wilderness first responder, publisher of the Ely Times Magazine and Boundary Waters Calendar, as well as a dancer, choreographer, and all-around community builder here in Ely, Minnesota, I'm so grateful for people like Johnny and delighted that she took the time to tell her story. Please enjoy this episode of the My Ely Story Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Johnny Hyde, and this is My Ely Story.
0: Hello, Johnny. Hi, Brett. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah. It's really great to have you here. I know um, so a lot of people might recognize your name because you are involved in a lot of things in the Ely area. I think maybe one of the most notable things is Raven Words Press and uh, the Ely Times. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody has had some interaction, everybody in the Ely area or as we like to say, Ely enthusiasts, um, have had some interaction with that, but uh, maybe don't know your story. So that's why you're here today, is to tell us your story.
1: Okay. Well, and some people would know me as Johnny Ferdaber, which Mm -hmm. is my previously married name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, or Ferdaber, as they say it in Slovenian. Okay. (laughs) But uh, yeah, even the newspaper has occasionally referred to me as that long after
0: I was Johnny (laughs) Hyde instead. (laughs) All these marriages, life happens. Oh, for sure, yeah, I can I can appreciate that. So we're here to find out where you came from, what brought you to the Ely area and talk about all the many hats that you wear.
1: Well, I grew up in upstate New York. Um I came to Minnesota to go to college in Northfield at Carleton. and um, I loved it here once I got up north. I wasn't as fond of the farm country down there. That was pretty much what I'd grown up with. Um, but once I came up here, it reminded me of the Adirondacks where I spent great time in my childhood. So um, I did my first canoe trip here in 1970 with a friend and it was tough. Uh, <laughs> we did the, um, we went on Pegami Creek and there had been a fire, not the Pagami Fire, the big one, but there had been a fire. And so the portages, which I didn't even know how to pronounce that word or even maybe even didn't know the word, um, were uh, non-existent more or less. And we had to kind of thrash through some burned stuff and over things and oh beaver dams and whatnot to get to Clearwater Lake. And I was like... Oh, that was wonderful.
0: That's an intense <laughs> introduction to the Northwoods.
1: It was. But for some reason, I loved it. I still kind of wonder, why did I like it so much? I think it's the smell of the balsam, actually. Mm. It reminded me of the Adirondacks. And sure. so, yeah, that was, that was lovely. But um, then I uh, was friends with some people that worked at the scout base, my current husband, Bert Hyde, and a, another couple of people that worked out there. And um, so the next year, I decided when I was at college that I would come up and um, see if I could paddle around a little bit uh, on my spring break, which was like March 10th. And if you look out the window right now on <laughs> April 6th, you can see that March 10th was probably not a great time to come up right. here. <laughs> but I was pretty naive about that. <laughs> right. So I did come up, though, once I graduated. I um, used my gift money to buy a used canoe at ROMS, Canoe Country Outfitters, an old um, 17 Grumman, 17 foot lightweight Grumman, and I bought a Kelty backpack, which was a frame pack because I didn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad had given me uh, about a 20 pound down bag for a Christmas present. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, which I, I think I just took, the part of it was a liner, I think I just took the liner in the summer. Sure. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I I did not have the experience to know exactly what to take and I sympathize with those who come up here today and uh you know may not know they're not stupid they just aren't familiar with how we yeah. travel here <laughs> you learn
0: real fast once you're out there though. you do yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so I canoed all that summer um paddled around the boundary waters I wanted to go to Quetico but it was expensive uh, for my budget and um so I, I didn't ever get into Quetico, but I did a lot of the Boundary Waters. Mm-hmm. And um, then after I sort of got to be fall um, and I was running out of money, I was hoping to go to Alaska. But at that time, I had hitchhiked here from college, and wow. I didn't have a car. Um, and to hitchhike to Alaska, you had to have $300 to cross the border, which in okay. 1971 was a whole lot of money. For sure. More than I had, for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so you were doing all this traveling just on your own, solo?
1: I had No, I had friends that, from college that came okay. at different times and joined me. Some of it I did solo and some with friends. So, yeah, it was a great summer and I really enjoyed it and I learned a lot about the Boundary Orders and I did pretty much fall in love with the place. So, even though I wanted to go to Alaska, I was not disappointed to have to stay here. That's great. <laughs> so, but, but come September, I needed a job. So, I started working at um, Fermanis's, who owned at that time what is now France and Bank Building mm. and was at that time a Bridgman's restaurant and the Legion Bar.
0: Oh, no kidding. Yeah. All in one.
1: All wow. in one. <laughs> yep, yep. The Legion Bar was where, well, kind of where the, well, let's see, the bank had been. It's more on the, west side and okay. the bridge was on the east side and there was a kind of it sort of change from the, the basement and the other rooms that are like where the dental area is mm-hmm. now um those were the red garter dinner club after a while i'd been working there a while before they did that so they kind of had more like like for teens had the nice restaurant in the back and then the counter in the yep. front so yeah it was similar to that okay yeah. And uh, I was bartender, so which is a really interesting way to get to know town. No kidding. <laughs> people, I still see people on the street and can say, oh, brandy water. Hey, gin and tonic. Yeah, that was kind of fun. And I, I did get to know some of the good side and some of the rough side. Um, bet. It was a time when a lot of Vietnam vets were back and oh. who had you know, PTSD issues, mm-hmm. drinking too much and uh yeah some of that was pretty sad yeah but um but overall, it was a good way to know but
0: it how. didn't it didn't scare you away, oh no, yeah.
1: no, uh-uh, not at all <laughs> I lived uh, in a little apartment with George hill was renting from his house, which is on harvey street west harvey street okay um and i I lived in an apartment there to start with, and then shortly after I moved out to Everett Lake, which was by some people in town called the Everett Lake Commune because they thought we were a bunch of hippies. I've
0: heard, I, I've heard. <laughs> Have you heard the legend? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where uh, Bill Miller lives yep. today in yep. the cabin that I lived in at that time. Okay. So I moved out there. I ended up having to buy a car, um, so I bought a little yellow Volkswagen Beetle, awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and worked at the bar and was trying to get on with the EPA um, because okay. that that was. The work that the EPA was doing up um, by uh, the detention hospital, which is now where the nursing home is, Mm,
0: um,
1: by Lincoln School, Mm -hmm. both of which were still standing at that time. Sure. We worked in the old detention hospital. Um, I worked as a biologist and as a chemist, actually officially chemistry technician and biology technician. I wasn't. My pay grade was not. Yeah. <laughs> you had to
0: have the technician. What was, in there. The, what was the name of the hospital?
1: It was the old detention hospital. It was a big hospital that they used to quarantine people in when they oh. had uh, contagious diseases, and it was you know to the east of the main hospital at that time. Of course, the hospital and clinic have expanded completely now right. and taken over all that space. But uh, yeah, it was a an old old building i don't know it may have been something before it was a detention hospital i'm not sure interesting but yeah this big old brick building pretty very sturdy building yeah. <laughs> so um yeah so i worked there for the epa eventually i got i got that job um after i'd been here a while i, I applied and they didn't have a position but i ended up with a temporary position there and uh by that time um i yeah, well, <laughs> there was a bunch in between. Sorry, I'm going to stumble around <laughs> No, here, but... not at all. Um, yeah, I, uh, after, while well, I was working at the bar. Um, I met my husband-to-be, Pat Verderber. Okay. And um, he and I, our, for our first date, went to um, a musical at the high school. Um, it was not it was the community musical, and it was Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. And Gary Baird, who was an actor, a young He was just out of high school at that point, I think, or maybe he was still in high school in Babbitt, and he had the lead, and he was an awesome uh, actor. He also, he ended up working at the Guthrie. Not no, not didn't. so much as an actor, although I think he did a few of those, but mostly in tech stuff wow. at the Guthrie. And he and his brother, Mitch Beard, who was also a great actor. But um, Anyway, I was so impressed by this performance that I was like, oh, I have to get involved in this. <laughs> I was a dancer through high school and um, danced some, mostly did folk dance at college. I didn't have time to do ballet or mm. anything else. Um, so... Yeah, so my husband to and I went to that musical, and um, we actually we got married a while after that. I started having I had kids. I had three kids pretty close together, Mara, Brielle, and Garrett, who pe- some people know Brielle especially because she's a physician here. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two, Mara lives in Alaska now, Garrett lives in the cities. But um, they were born bang, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in there. At some point in 1976, Pat and I went to Alaska. Finally, got to Alaska, mm-hmm. <laughs> which i had been wanting to do. After
0: all, those um, years.
1: yeah, we were flying seafood products for Kempelucci uh, Seafoods. So, oh, really? Yeah, he was a pilot, and I worked on the slime line, as they call it,
0: the slime line.
1: Yeah. At that point, I just had my two girls, Mara and Brielle. They were one and one and two. And uh, so we went up there. I drove up there, and the farther east I was, like at home in New York, my uh, people were appalled that I was going to drive the Alaskan Highway. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the farther west I got until I got actually to Dawson where I was going to take off from the, right onto the highway, um, people didn't really blink an eye when I said I was driving the Alaskan sure. Highway with a one and two year old. <laughs> yeah, <we're> halfway there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, that was a good summer. And when we came back, we brought Garrett was a little souvenir in my belly. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. So. <laughs> so working on the slime line, What does that entail?
1: Uh, It's it's actually a conveyor belt and you know, somebody at the beginning chops off the head of the salmon. It's all salmon and you come down and you end up just filleting the salmon and stripping the eggs out of it and uh, putting it onto ice. So yeah.
0: So I bet you can fillet a fish like nobody's business now.
1: Not so much anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Although that skill did come in handy at at another point later on. Yeah, I bet. So, yeah, the year after the Fiddler uh, date, um, I wanted to be part of this. So I auditioned for the next year's community musical, which was um, Guys and Dolls Mm -hmm. with uh, Marsha Homer Mm -hmm. and Mary Kay Fortier, poor fan at that time, um, in the lead roles. And I just had a ball with that. Um, At that point, I... um, Shortly after that I was pregnant and had had my first child and, and Marsha and Mary Kay gave a, a baby shower for me. And uh that's you know, that's kinda of how I got into my social life there with the arts crowd in Ely. And then with my husband, of course, his friends were more the hunting fishing mm-hmm. crowd and so um and then I uh I also met Denise Dreshler through that. She was the choreographer. And the next year, we did No, No, Nanette, and I was in that and actually had a name, Flora from Flatbush, I believe. (laughs) It was kind of a silly musical. (laughs) Um, But um, Denise, the woman who had been teaching ballet here, had um, gotten pregnant but had to, um, she had to be on bed rest. Mm -hmm. And that was in like March or April. And Denise asked me if I could, finish the season and, um, and then teach the next year if Helen didn't want to come back. Helen Johnson was her name. And um, I said, sure, and that sounded like a good idea. <laughs> so uh, I went in, taught a few weeks there towards the end of spring, was all ready to teach the next fall. And then found out that I was pregnant too, <laughs> <laughs> Helen and I actually ended up in the hospital at the same time, oh, no kidding. having wow. our babies oh boy um so and uh but i I was teaching ballet anyway and and uh i it was yeah about the fourth class or so, and my water broke while I was doing chantemas, oh. trying to <laughs> teach chantemas, which is a <laughs> jumpy step, oh my God, <laughs> wow <You know>?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. Uh yeah, it was kind of crazy. That is wild. But um but yeah, so that's when Brielle was born. Okay. And um yeah, that was sort of nuts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brielle just came bouncing into the world. She
1: did. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> um yeah, but then um yeah, I stayed involved with the musicals and teaching and ended up teaching dance for the recreation department, which was what uh, they, we had um, classes in tap that Doris Howdala taught, and Linda Fink taught. I think baton. And Diane Toonhorst taught gymnastics, and Denise taught jazz and some tap too. I think. Wow. And I taught ballet. So
0: that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. A broad and offering, and that's how
1: that's how it was run here at that time through yeah. the, all through the city rec department. No kidding. Which I don't think they even have a rec department anymore. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, but that's what it was. And we had hundreds of kids. I mean, it was that's lots. Great. We had huge recitals every spring. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. So in 1975, I did my first choreography for the spring musical. Instead of being in it, I was a choreographer. Um, and that was Man of La Mancha. And again, um, Marsha and Denise and um, M- uh, Beth... Was one of the leads. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was really an experience for me. And I remember the music in Mano La Mancha is very different from the one, two, three, four polkas. Okay. And. Uh, Catherine Merhar was playing the piano for this and I just can remember sitting on the bench with her and kind of banging on the piano <laughs> to get the rhythms down so she could yeah. follow those rhythms because they were they were difficult, you know, 6-8 to 7-8 to 3-4 it was just crazy Wow. So, um, so how do
0: you choreograph for something like that? Yeah,
1: well you know, I I could manage the rhythm I'd had enough musical experience okay. to, to do that but um, but yeah, helping somebody else learn those those rhythms. Um, I mean, she was a wonderful polka player and and played all kinds of other great things, Slovenian music and, um, but but that type of rhythm was was difficult and, uh, yeah, we had a we had a great time. It was good. Um, so I did that and then in 1976, John Artisenczy was looking for somebody to choreograph musicals in Babbitt at the high school. They did. They had this wonderful program, which as I mentioned, Gary Baird before and Mitch Baird, they came through John Artisenczy's program on musicals most people remember john here he was an english mm-hmm. teacher in babbitt but he's uh the car chevy his yeah. dad on the chevy garage so yeah he's a yeah, great guy General I like Motors. John. so yeah yeah but but yeah so i he, uh denise he asked denise dressler as if there was somebody he she, she thought might be able to do that and she said well i think johnny's through her hippie period now she might want to do it. <laughs> You know, I was never like a dope smoking hippie sort of person. I just liked the woods and, you know, um, not that I never did, but it was pretty much, yeah, I wasn't that kind of hippie. You weren't fully committed to I the lifestyle. The yeah. <laughs> I liked the music. I like tie dye shirts. Oh, there you go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> um, so um, so I, started, I started doing that, and that was a really wonderful experience for many years. So from 1976 to 1982. Um, I choreographed music, music high school musicals in Babbitt, and Excellent. taught. I taught dance over there too for their rec department, mm-hmm. um, and I had these boys um, in high school that were also the football team and the track team, and we did West Side Story and Pirates of Penzance, and these guys came to Sunday nights. I had musical theater dance. And they came, and so they were awesome dancers. By the time we got around to wow. musical in spring, and um, we'd work on the the dances for the musical or moves that, that we could use in there. And that's uh, so great. It was awesome. They were they were wonderful.
0: Um, that's neat to hear. Oh, I've heard stories about uh, professional football players taking like ballet yeah, lessons. Yeah, ballet. Things like yeah. that it just helps yeah. with their agility. And
1: they just really got into it. I, yeah. I have no idea why. And the wonderful girls too. I mean, yeah. it was it was great. I'm still. I'm still friends with them. I mean I still see them. <laughs> so That's right. um yeah, it was that was pretty amazing.
0: Well, it's a great legacy of musical theater in the Ely and Babbitt area. So it's neat to hear your stories from back several decades ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: that it's still alive and thriving today. Yeah,
1: yeah, with Mike Rouse doing the yep. doing the musicals that he does there and here. That's yep. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, John and I did do high school musicals in Ely too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after we were They kind of cut the program due to budget or something after 1982, and we did some, and I remember working with Rose um, Braun in... uh, uh, we did South Pacific. She was lead for that um, here and a couple others. I think we did Music Man. Oh, yeah, Music Man Scott Dreschler was lead for
0: that one. Really? Uh, yeah,
1: we did those here. So. I'm
0: trying to picture Scott Dreschler.
1: He's waiter at the Randy yeah, Lee no, Lodge. Oh, I'm just oh, trying, trying, trying to, to picture him, him as the Music <laughs> Man. <Yeah. laughs> he was awesome. good. He was really good. That's great. <laughs> I suppose
0: it's in his blood. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I
1: think so. <laughs> um, yeah, so meanwhile, I, I I worked for the EPA for. Only for three years, I think. By the time I'd had two kids, um, I worked with Carl Ruckovina there. He and I were um, biologists in kind of down in the basement, looking in the microscope hour yeah. after hour, counting uh, amoebas <laughs> and such <laughs> wow. things. Yeah, counting counting zooplankton mostly from late, from
0: Shago Lake. Really. Uh-huh. And so that was. Kind of primarily what you're doing is looking at what was what was in the water.
1: Yeah, it was really an interesting project. There's only one other. Um, they were creating a tertiary treatment plant. Most um, sewage treatment plants are secondary, which brings the sewage up to... Um, water that can be you know kind of put back into nature um, but we were taking water to the point where it was potable okay and um, we were studying Shagua Lake because Shagua was, at that point had really huge algae blooms it was really polluted right Stinky Ditch was the name of the yeah. little place that ran back behind oh, yeah, where notorious. I lived actually yeah. <laughs> ran through Chandler and dumped right into the lake raw uh, sewage wow. and it was great fishing there
0: but <laughs> <I> <laughs> over the years but yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't even want to swim there, although right. I think people did. Right. Um, but it was pretty gross. And so we did a lot of research, too, on the benthic de- deposits, the the soils under the lake, mm. sort of sucked those out to see when things started and be able to figure out you know how bad it was and if it was getting better mm. as we once we hit that point of it being potable water that was going into the lake, not sewage. Wow. Um, so, and then we were measuring the biological oxygen demand, which is a a test you do by taking water samples at different depths of the lake, and you bring that up and test for how much oxygen is in it, and when you have an anoxic condition like in the bottom, if it starts coming up, it'll kill the fish off. that's where sure. you get your fish kills and it happens because the algae sinks and then is um, decomposing mm-hmm. and so it uses up all the oxygen right and um, that's where you get your fish kills, which they used to have on Chagua and even in the short time I was there, we saw an improvement a big really? improvement yeah
0: <laughs> and so when when you were there was it about at the the worst? stage. Yeah, probably at,
1: at the beginning of when I was there. Okay. Yeah, which I started in seventy-two, I guess.
0: And so you did see Maybe noticeable 72. positive changes yeah, during that yeah, time. Yeah, by the
1: time I left. I left in seventy-five, I think. Um Carl and I worked there, um, you know, together, and he was really got to be a good friend. And so he walked me down the aisle when I was married. Oh wow. <laughs> which is a funny story because <laughs> we were married in the Catholic Church and Carl walked me down and somebody in the audience was heard to say, wow, doesn't Johnny's dad look a lot like Carl <laughs> <laughs> So My father couldn't make it. He was uh, working on, he toured around the country for the Audubon Society and he oh, okay. wasn't able wow. to come. Carl and his brother George, or or Ely, born and raised Ely people. Yeah, okay. they were outstanding fishermen. And um, George lived here all his life, but Carl, the EPA, when that uh, moved out to Corvallis, Oregon, they asked if I wanted to go. Even though it was temporary, they would have hired me full time. But I had to move to Corvallis, and by that time. You know, Pat and I had we had three kids, and we, you know we were pretty settled here. Pretty and, solid roots. Yeah, and I loved it here. Yeah. I didn't really want to move. Yeah. So um, I, we didn't move, but Carl did. Carl was out in Corvallis, and he worked there for a number of years until he retired. Okay. And he just died last year, I think. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was a bit of humor, <laughs> my <Am> wedding. <I laughs> <fighting? laughs> uh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, Harold, hmm, sorry. Oh, Terry Jackson was the. Superintendent of the like the sewage plant itself. We oh, had okay. you know we had our research offices up in the detention hospital, but Terry worked. Um, he brought the whole operations up to speed. He was oversaw that. Yeah, so I got to know a lot of people that I still know in Ely. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. Well, it's
0: yeah, it's great to hear some of the history of people that are still around here today.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good people for sure. So at that point, I, eventually with the kids, um, I just was. I was. I actually am a really hard worker. I have a good work ethic.
0: I believe it. But I <laughs> I've did, seen it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I did not like working nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday. Yeah, it's just not my style, I guess.
0: Sure.
1: Um, and I felt eventually like what I was doing, counting these algae and whatnot. Um, I felt like a chimp could be trained to do it really <laughs> I mean it was not hard and it was not challenging intellectually at all um wasn't creative um I did at one point um, identify some algae that I thought were could potentially be a subspecies um, and mentioned that to my Supervisor who then called me insubordinate and gave me a bad, <laughs>
0: bad,
1: bad recommendation. So sort of like, yeah, I guess I was just trying to do too much.
0: <laughs> Keep your blinders on.
1: Yeah, Focus. really. <laughs> so as much as I like Carl and working with him, I was just not up for this job much yeah. longer. And by that time I was teaching um, ballet in Ely and Babbitt, and then they were asking me to teach in Aurora, which I started doing too. So I ended up in quitting EPA and just primarily my source of income at that, at that point. Was uh, dancing for these three recreation departments, dancing, choreographing musicals. That's great. That was wonderful. Um, And uh, my husband then also decided to start his own business, so he started Pat's Electric, and I did the books for that. So um, we hired. We had like two two other people working with him, and sometimes I worked with them too. So um, so we yeah so we were managing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that was good. Um, but at some point, I just thought, if I have to choreograph one more third grade level tap dance, <laughs> I'm gonna scream. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> I was ready for something more the choreography part was great, mm-hmm. but the but I was getting a little burned out on the teaching and decided that I needed to move on. So what I just I was working with one young woman in um, in Babbitt who um, did not have speech. I don't know if she was autistic or had another disability, but um, I was working with her, and I was really fascinated that she, you know, she could and liked to dance, and she liked the music, even. And you could tell that, you know, and that it was it was great for her. And I uh, so I thought about dance therapy as kind of my next step. Um, then I. Uh, had some back trouble um and i had the same problem really (laughs) that was i thought it was tendinitis in my in my um ankle and went to the doctor and it turned out that it was actually a disc problem oh my (laughs) gosh wow so i had to go home and be on bed rest for a while the only thing i could do was swim for exercise i was teaching aerobics by that time oh boy so um yeah i couldn't bounce and do that sort of thing for several weeks that i mean these days, I don't think that's how they would treat it. But in those days, that's how they treated it. Just and, don't
0: move. Stop moving.
1: Well, it's kind of, there were some exercises to do. Mm-hmm. And basically, yeah, just hold still for quite a few days. So before I did that, <laughs> I went to the college library and took out a whole bunch of, of you know, they used to have ca- paper catalogs for graduate school. Okay. I mean, there wasn't any internet then. And, um so, I took out like a stack that was probably shouldn't have carried that much that <laughs> heavy <laughs> and looked at grants and graduate schools, and I ended up applying for Bush Foundation grant and um, looking and the programs for that that would cover because I really didn't have the resources to pay for graduate school um, as much as it would have cost me there. It's not like you know I, uh, looking for something in the arts, I wanted to be in the arts. Mm-hmm. um so what I found was in Boston, and I found a, a Good program that seemed really fitting for me. It was a arts administration and education administration um, master's degree program at Leslie College, and, um, and and I could also take classes at Harvard. So wow. Harvard Graduate School of Education. So I applied for the Bush Grant and got it, which was incredible, <laughs> amazing, yeah. um, and took my kids and went to Boston. No kidding for a year. Um, yeah. One of my motivations for taking my kids with me was that we had been, I'd been grocery shopping in Zoops, the old Zoops store, which is where Rockwood is now, and uh, there was a kid from the college who was black um, shopping there too, and my and Garrett, my little boy, who was probably about three or four, very loudly said, Look, Mommy, somebody from Sesame Street. Oh, <laughs> And I was like, wow. Oh, my God, I have to get my kids out of here. <laughs> they need to see a little more of the world. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the, the only diversity they saw. Was on yeah, Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. <laughs> Thank God for Sesame Street. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we were in Boston, my kids were in um, schools when I would go to get them. They would. It looked like we were at the uh, United Nations School or something. Yeah. In every language, every color, every culture, every cost, every dress, you know, form of dress yep. um, was, was in that school. So my kids got at least a year of a lot of diversity. And some of their best friends were not... White, white white English yeah. Americans, so, sure, um, which was great. So they spent time with other families as well outside of school. So yeah. um, I really am glad that they had that experience. No
0: kidding. Yeah, that's really valuable.
1: <laughs> it was. It was good. However, during that time, my marriage was sort of falling apart. Um, not because I was gone. I mean, I think part of the reason I was gone was that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. sadly, um, and you know, something that of course every life has a few. Regrets or things you wonder. Well, if I'd done it differently, how would this have gone? <laughs> but, um, but we ended up uh, getting a divorce, and um, uh, you know, the kids struggled through that. Luckily, there were other people their age going through a similar situation, yeah. and they had people to hang out with and commiserate with and <laughs> whatnot. And we did make it through, and are, are still have good relationships. That's and, great. And Pat and I are still, you know, we spend holidays with our whole family together oh, and cool. we do things together and the first year or two was a little rough but sure sure know, it's good
0: to to yeah. be able to move past that yeah life happens yeah it does <laughs> yes it does sometimes with a vengeance yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so at that point um I was working on um, Northern Lights Arts Association, uh, one of the founders. I was one of the founders for that. I came back with my fancy new shiny degree in arts administration and anticipated taking over the executive director position for Northern Lights Arts Association once we got it going. So I did the 501c3 application and, you know, we set up our bylaws and all that sort of thing. Um, a lot of the people who were on that board are still around today, Peter Cass mm-hmm. and um, Cecilia wasn't on that part but she was the one who eventually got hired because <laughs> I also, um, I was helping out Steve Paragus, um, because Steve Schoen's mom got sick, or dad, or his dad got sick, and he had to leave. And it was really only Steve Paragas and Steve Schoen at Paragas Northwoods Company at that yeah. time. And they were only in the very, like, where the cash registers are now, there, not even as far back as the bathrooms. I mean, just that back wall had just passed uh, where the other door is to the moose. And the moose had just been built. That was brand new. Um and, uh, Steve Paragus asked me if I could help out once in a while. I had by this time, because of being divorced, I was doing any job I could find because I bought a house mm-hmm. and needed to make house payments, which I, I guess we'd done in our past, but not, <laughs> but not just me as not a single parent. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's a lot. Um, yeah. And I wasn't really a single parent cause we shared our, we shared the kids time mm-hmm. equally mm-hmm. and everything. So it wasn't like I was really a single parent, but when they were with me, I was a single parent. So, and I had to pay for this house. Um, So I was teaching dancing. I was peeling logs for Barry Bissonette. I ended up uh, cleaning whitefish, where the skills from my time on the slime line came back. So just real
0: easy... Anything and... I could find. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: doing everything. I was still teaching dancing. Um, <laughs> peeling
0: logs is a lot of work.
1: It is, but it was good. That made me strong. Ooh, got you really strong. and yeah, strong. <laughs> <laughs> and the peeling fish thing was, or the flying fish thing was not so great because that was in that old house that was being torn down behind Paragasus, not behind the moose actually. And there was no heat in there. Oh. There was no running water. We'd have to carry water over, and it was. Cold, cold, cold. Oh wow! <laughs> it was just a freezing job, but I learned how to fillet fish pretty well at that I point. Bet. I <laughs> yeah. bet. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I did that, and then um, Steve asked me. Oh, and then while I was working in practices, Bert, who was a friend, Bert hired my husband now, mm-hmm. who was uh, had been a good friend of mine since uh, we met at Itasca when I was there while I was in college at some point um, through a friend. And then he and his first wife, Robin, lived here and we hung out together a lot, did things together. And um, and he came, He they eventually separated and um, he came into the store and asked me if um, I wanted, he needed a paddle partner for this course he was doing for Outward Bound. He was a course director and so he followed like three different groups of people who were traveling through the boundary, through, actually it was in Quetico. And he said, I don't have a paddling partner. Do you want to be my paddling partner? And I was like, well, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So he was out there ahead of time, and I went up to um, Prairie Portage to meet him, and I was a day off. I was a day early. <laughs> uh-huh. So I ended up spending that um, that day and evening, um, with, uh, Marie and John, um, Nelson's kids. They were the Rangers at Quetico Portage at that time. Their kids were pretty young and we just hung out that whole day together. And they were like, yeah, you can stay at the Portage crew cabins over here. And, uh, yeah. And so we, we went over, paddled over to this Island. I remember we found chanterelles and we were (laughs) were having a good time. Yeah. So, and then, um, Bert and I paddled, um, A long, a long ways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We did our, I think our maximum uh, Quetico day was a 65 mile from chatterton falls down to table rock
0: wow that is a haul
1: (laughs) it was a whole yeah it was a long It was you know we started at six in the morning and i think we ended at two the next morning or something um, but yeah i always think of that one now in our 70s mid-70s getting towards late 70s actually (laughs) where we can go like two portages a day is about enough yeah
0: Yeah, and (laughs) that's a long way to paddle
1: it, it, but it was a great day. So, yeah. yeah, it was my first day going to Argo Lake, which is our favorites and had been Bert's favorite for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And so that was
0: your first paddling adventure with Bert.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and he was married. I was in another relationship. And so we were, we kind of felt the attraction, but didn't act on it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was several years of, you know, kind of resisting and going along with it before we actually. Yeah. Got married, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So that's a that's a messy story. We won't. Call
0: <laughs> <laughs> Things life is messy. It life is happens. For sure. yep. <laughs> yes, it does.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So what else? I still was um, I still was do, involved in some dancing, mm-hmm. occasionally choreographing musicals for with Sarah Skelton, and uh, um, yeah, doing. I don't think it was teaching dancing at that point i taught and i taught back in babbitt for a little while but um i was really too busy with outward bound was i started working for outward bound okay. right after that trip mm-hmm. and um i didn't work you know full time because i still had three kids at home a lot of the time but yeah. i mostly do eight day courses um which were really fun interesting rewarding um they were called uh, life and career life and career renewal courses mm. which um were for adults over 30 who were maybe in some Kind of life transition, Um, whether it was uh, retirement. um, Actually, my most famous student was uh, Bruce McCandless, who was an astronaut. Oh, wow. Had just retired and was sort of like, what do you do after you've? You know, seen the Earth from outer space yeah. and walked. He was I think, one of the first people to walk outside the space capsule.
0: No kidding. Like,
1: how do you find something meaningful to do after yeah, that?
0: Yeah, right. What's next? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So that was really he was really an interesting student to I have on one of those courses. Yeah, but we had we had we had great courses and there were really wonderful people to work with out there. Um, yeah, I worked with. A lot of Outward Bound instructors move into Ely and actually settle down here. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of, like, Joey Kennig was a construction person, Evan Feltesack, uh Val Beal, who's known the schools, and Jeannie Berquin who, you know, builds Built canoes for a long time. Is now yeah. more focused on art. Um, Dave Casey is doing painting around town now. But um, also, you know, a lot of us are older now. Yeah, ones who are here. But um, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great place to work. It was my probably my favorite job ever in my life. But um, it came to sort of a, a halt. <laughs> I, mean, I was doing professional development. Then while I was working at Paragus full time, then and took on their Uh, Catalog. Steve asked me if I would come in and develop their catalog, which at that he sort of was envisioned being another LL Bean,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the LL Bean of the Midwest, (laughs) I think. But um, at that point, you know, like I said, the building was really small. Um, The catalog, not uh, quotes, was uh, a newspaper flyer in the shopper in October with canoes, that you know, rental canoes for sale. And okay,
0: that might have had
1: all one or two other items in it, but mm-hmm. really pretty much nothing else. Um, promoted sort of the outfitting business. And he wanted to have a good catalog. Mm-hmm. So when I started there, I was the third full-time employee, Steve Schoen, Steve Paragas, me. Um, we had the, the office was a little loft up in the back corner of that front part of the building. Okay. Where the shoes are now. Sure. Socks. Um, and we had to use a rope swing to get up to it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> there weren't even stairs. There were a couple bars on the wall
0: and a rope. <laughs> Put in some stairs, Steve. Come
1: yeah. <laughs> well, we did eventually. Of course. <laughs> yeah. When I left, we had 45 employees. The wow. Bus- the catalog business boomed. You know, it was like... It was half of the income of that business, which yeah. was considerable. Um, and we had the whole upstairs. We'd added on, you know, the bookstore, the whole bookstore thing, the office mm-hmm. behind the bookstore, all of the all of the rest of it. Um, the, the basement developed that into the shipping area and, mm-hmm. and, and inventory area. So all that happened in the ten years I was there between nineteen. Wow. 19- Eighty six and nineteen ninety
0: six. That's amazing. So. That had to be incredible to see that level of growth for a business like that.
1: Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Um, you know, the, the north side of the store um, was the shopper old shopper building. Okay. And so we tore down that wall, built that, connected the two buildings, mm-hmm. and the shopper moved um, over to, gosh, what was it? Not Clunes. Um, some other building. What <laughs> was it? Breen's. Did they move into Breen's? I think they moved into Breen's. What's well, now the Biken uh Viking Ely Biken Oh, so
0: just down the. Down yeah, the just on the
1: corner. Okay. That went from it was Breen's, which was a wonderful place where I bought all my furniture when I first came to town. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was a. It was a. You could find anything in there, but you had to look. It was so crowded, you could barely fit through. Really? It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Walter Breen um, had collected things he had stuff from resorts that closed and i ended up buying a dresser set and a bedroom set like a dresser and desk and bed frame um that had been at uh oh which lodge was it somewhere up on basswood and actually at the bar i'd met the person who built the stuff built the lodge (laughs) yeah i can't remember his name right now um yeah so i mean that was that was a great place but then I don't remember the order exactly. Somebody moved in there with a flower shop, some sort. And then it was uh, Steger's for a while. Mm -hmm. And then it was, there's been many iterations. The co op there. Yeah, yeah, it was the co op. Mm -hmm. Um, The
0: Whole Foods Co op.
1: Yeah. But now it's Ely Biken Kick Slip, which is a great use for it. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of history in that building. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there is for sure. Um, So. by nineteen ninety six about nineteen ninety five um the two guys I was working with upstairs in that back office behind the bookstore um who we were the kind of the creative department that's where the catalog got put together. Mm-hmm and um, uh, two other people, guys, were working up there with me, and one of them said, I just came back from Aspen, and they have all these tourist magazines up there. I think we should do one for Ely. It'll make us lots of money because all the real estate people will want to be in it, and we'll have all this (laughs) this (laughs) income. Like, you want to do it? So the three of us went in and said, okay, sure, let's do this. And um, uh, J.J. had a, um, he worked at, Deb Erdman's um, Camp Voyager, but he had an apartment in town and we put a set up a computer up there and that was our kind of mailing address. And we set up this business. Um, we turned it. We we got a, a Subchapter S corporation, um, so it could kind of keep it separate from all of our personal things. Well, within two years, we made the first magazine in 1996, mm-hmm. and within two years, they were both gone. They both yeah. moved, quit, moved out of town, quit Paragas's. I'd quit... I, I had not yet quit progresses, so um, I, I think I quit in 96. So yeah it was actually within one year mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's pretty fast yeah. that I ended up buying them out and taking okay. that over and that became Raven Words Press. Okay. It was called Raven Productions initially because we weren't sure what we were, all we were going to do. I mean we thought about doing some teaching, some programming of some sort, some you know all kinds of different things. Um, JJ was a Counselor at Camp Voyager, I had been in Outward Bounds, so we sort of saw that we might do something along those lines. Mm-hmm. and um, But we ended up just with the times and decided, and the calendar. We started the calendar, but um, they were not involved in that. The first one came out in 1999. So that's okay. the Boundary Orders and Critical mm-hmm. calendar that yep. we do. Um, so eventually, I just had too much going on. Also, by that time, my Daughter was, uh, Kasha was born, and we had decided to move out in the woods, um, down to Gander Lake, down closer to Isabella, which is mm-hmm. thirty miles outside of town, and mm-hmm. and uh, and the transportation to get there is <laughs> a Tull little off. rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So,
0: <Certain laughs> it, back then it was. Now the yeah. road is
1: good, but it's not plowed in the winter, so we still
0: have our, <laughs> right. still
1: have our challenges. But <laughs> um, yeah, but well, we did absolutely buy a snowmobile so just just two years ago <laughs> so, oh no kidding okay. yeah you that long. <laughs> so, yeah we gave up the dog sledding and skiing for yeah i still ski but Bert snowmobiles and he hauls all the stuff groceries and laundry okay. or whatever so yeah wow. does the hauling and i do the skiing <laughs> nice so um but yeah we decided to move down there kasha was four or so and um and I uh, my son was graduating from high school my all my other three kids had been gotten into college mm-hmm. and the uh, um for Durber kids. And so um I decided to stop working at Paragasis and um uh, moved on to just Raven Productions and I was still doing some outward bound work from time to time, just short courses usually. And uh yeah, that's that's so and so with Raven Productions
0: good. and now Raven Words Press, you started out, as you mentioned, the Times. So you do the the Summer and Winter Times. Mm-hmm. And then you've also published a number of books as well.
1: Well, there was a whole children's book publishing part of it. Not just children's. There were some adult books, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sold that to Legacy Toys in 1918. Oh, uh, okay. So, 2018. Yeah, 2018. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> way back then. Yeah, way back then. <laughs> um, yeah so so that was I mean that was really another reason of not being at Praxis cuz that was starting to grow the mm-hmm. book part was um, it was to a point I had a distributor and then in 2008 the whole you know that, that economic crisis mm-hmm. the whole world changed in the book market and probably yeah. in every other market there was yeah. um so I had to go through distributors Amazon had also taken off um and a lot of there was a lot of um, coalescing of publishers and book distributors, so that um, everything was kind of and and bookstores, so everything was kind of running through Barnes and Noble or there was another one back then too, I can't remember. Um, and, and but they were also being managed by the distributors, so it's very hard to get your books distributed, and it's hard for other bookstores that are out of outside the area if i did, if i couldn't go there and pay him a personal visit to do a sales call um it was hard to get them into circulation
0: so it was just you just so didn't have a distribution them. network unless yeah, you yeah I, I i did eventually I
1: worked with adventure publications and then they sold out to another company that just was not interested in including my books hmm. in their offerings in 2008 2009 um and that made it really hard uh i still had all the accounts i knew all the accounts that had had placed um, orders with that distributor so i could contact them directly but man i was getting so if I, I had to either grow or stop. Yeah. Um, and it, I was not at a point at that then where I wanted to spend all my life in business. You know, my, I like natural history stuff. I was still very involved in the arts, things in Ely, getting more so. And um, also in 1999, my life changed a lot um, because that was the year of the blowdown and mm-hmm. I started working for the Forest Service. Right. So um, that was the year that... Uh, Yeah, Bert and I went down to the Forest Service hangar and stationed a medical unit there for everybody that was responding. They were flying in so that somebody would be there. We staffed it with volunteers from across the range, Mm -hmm. um, people who would be there in case somebody got hurt. Um, We could just jump right on the beaver and be there right away. They didn't have to figure it out. Um, So we had all of our equipment and everything there. And we started out with that we volunteered to do that wow. and we did a lot of volunteering and then they said you know maybe we should pay you to do this yeah. so then they started paying us which was great
0: um so did you have emt training wilderness first responder training
1: yeah all that okay i'd, I'd had that partly mostly through outward bound oh, i right, had, to, had right. to get my wilderness first responder but then i also went ahead and got my emt okay um and because it wasn't too much of a jump, we'd also been in ski patrol oh, for a sure. long time at Giants Ridge, so mm-hmm. we'd had all that training. So I had a lot of those experiences, but I hadn't ever done it professionally. I mean, I've been a volunteer with Morse Fall Lakes since mm-hmm. 1988 or nine or something, I think. But um, as a first responder mm-hmm. initially, and then EMT, and um, so anyway, the Forest Service people then asked us if we would consider being. Um, available for this type of assignment if they were if we were needed. Yeah. Um, so we went ahead and did that, and it's uh, what they call AD, which I think is administrative direction or something. Hmm. Um, so we're just or uh, on call where we could be called out to a fire anytime. So we worked a lot of fires around here. Um, I started working out west. Mike Manlove at that point was a medical unit director, who's the person who who. Gets EMTs to work on the line. Had to learn to pa- pass the pack test every year. <laughs> I remember yeah. the first time I was like, "Oh my God, can I do this?" <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you have to carry a. Forty-five pound pack, three miles in forty-five minutes um, to pass it. It's pass fail. There's no you yep. know, better or worse. It's just you either do it or you don't.
0: I've seen some some uh, some young guys doing the the pack test. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, man, that's a lot of work. I you got to be committed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you have. I think that really great thing about that is it's kept me in shape all these yeah, years because sure. i have to i can't yep. i can't especially at this age i can't let it go you know yeah. if i just sat around for six months and then tried to do the pack
0: test to not an hour. Gonna <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: so yeah so i could still do it so
0: that's awesome we'll see
1: um but yeah so so that changed my life quite a bit because i could be gone for um two weeks at a time in the summer if i was going out west or mm-hmm. i could be involved here so um That, too, was part of, like, not being as committed to growing Raven Productions Mm -hmm. as I might otherwise have been. So, yeah, yeah, so I sold the whole book thing to Legacy Toys in 2018. Mm -hmm. And, unfortunately, that hasn't worked out great to this point for the authors. Um, But uh, I have hopes yet (laughs) that that I I try to help them out where I
0: can. Well, they've uh, certainly grown and expanded that business. Legacy, yeah, Yeah. has
1: expanded. um, But they never they um they hired the person who was working for me in marketing, but um, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I, I wasn't there very much. I offered to to help, but then I was gone a lot. so um, they for whatever reason the um, with the the multiple stores that they were opening and developing some of their own product lines, they really never got the publishing business going they they didn't they weren't familiar with it they didn't know how to do it and um and yeah they, it just
0: it's tough to be really successful be in a in a yeah. number of different yeah. things like yeah that.
1: it is really hard and um so that didn't do as well as i had hoped but they have gotten rid of a lot of their inventory so a lot of my authors are able to um to take their contract and take it someplace else take oh, their book great. somewhere else so great. Um, Concy Paul and, and Polly and Mary Bevis, Polly um, Carlson and Mary Bevis, um, in particular, local authors mm-hmm. that have been able to uh, move on to a different publisher. So, that's
0: great. That's yeah. good to hear because they're yeah, they're so good. talented.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was great to have some little bit of their uh, publishing. Oh, success. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and
0: I I read a lot of those Raven Words oh, books to they, my kids when they were little. So yeah, we're, they were, we're good. pretty fond of those.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was definitely um, I, I liked them. So and I think they're great books still. So hopefully, people can go to Legacy Toys and Ely and still get them. <laughs> Excellent. That's great. <laughs> I think.
0: And so with Raven Words Press, it's primarily the the summer and the winter times, and then the Boundary Waters cattle uh, calendar. Yep,
1: yep. that's yep. that's it. Okay, so, yeah. Um, so I'm really busy in April and in October, usually getting mm-hmm. this ready. And uh, last year, occasionally I've had fireworks that sort of impeached on my, in <laughs> enc- encroached that would be the word encroached on my um, time to uh, to spend on the times. Yeah. Um, last year I was working at Sequoia, Giant Sequoia National Monument, and I was there. I didn't even get back here until November third, and the oh time said I go to press on November eighth. Oh, so wow. I was the most wonderful thing. I was sitting um, among these sequoia trees, and I had a huge sequoia trunk. It was probably ten feet in diameter easily. It was my desk? Oh wow, that's <laughs> um, great. Yeah, they they had, they were trying to do fuel mitigation. So okay, um, and as an EMT, I'm usually not busy, but I have to pay attention, of course. Mm-hmm. That I, you know, I'm. I consider myself also a safety resource i'm I'm constantly looking and doing what ifs in my head and talking yep. to the crews, but you know most of the day they're working hard and I'm just trying to stay out of their way basically, mm. but I need to be close yep so um but for some reason i had i was able to To just, I had enough time there um, that I could, you know, keep my radio on and be attuned to what was going on, but still do some work on the times. And then I was staying in a motel at night, so um, instead of a fire camp, and so I was able to, because it was, it was getting to be very cold temperatures there, and eventually we quit because there were four feet of snow predicted. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Um, but I was able to somehow manage to do that. And another time I was in North called down to North Carolina for a fire just shortly before I had to get the times to press. I had most of it done, but um, yeah, I I went there, which was a crazy situation. I was working very hard there on the fire, but managed to just polish up the last bit of it and send it off to the yeah. press from there. So.
0: Well, and, you know, having worked on um, some ads and, and some stories with you for the Times, um, it is a big undertaking.
1: Yeah, it is. And,
0: you, you know, so, I mean, it's a really great thing. It's a great resource. And and to have it as something that, that's free, that people can come and just grab it and get that yeah. real slice of life in Ely, it's such a wonderful Wonderful publication to have. I
1: hope so. I, it's so much fun to do. I mean, I've been in so many places that I would never been if I weren't doing articles about things. Like one of my favorites was the Back of Zoops when they were making sausages on Thursday and all the old retired guys were in there telling the young guys what to do and how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. And uh, then watching um, Mar- Marlene do um, make pizzas. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah try, trying to watch that I mean all kinds of places if you look at an article you think wow how did she find that so what's coming up is um, an article on Ely elders uh, so as many Ely elders as there are and I was doing over 90 um, wow. I, I've i only done I'd only had room to do six yeah. and so I did these six but it, but it put me in touch with some wonderful people just wonderful people so,
0: oh there's so many yeah. great stories in Ely
1: yeah they are yeah, that's for sure
0: yeah. Well, what a great thing to be able to share a lot of those stories and just share the love for Ely that you have and that so many people can can relate to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really happy to do that, and uh, yeah. hopefully it's a a good service as well for people. Um, we went to a nicer binding last year, mm-hmm. and that allowed us and a bigger cover and a fold out map on the back. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, paper prices also increased at the same time.
0: Of course. <laughs> so of course. Costs
1: went up considerably, but yeah. we're still able to make it free. The um, advertisers are so supportive. Yep. It's um you know, I have to put things out there because my current advertisers you know, want their space, so I make sure that they have their space and then sometimes there's not very much room for anything new. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, a few I usually have one or two drop out and one or two new ones. That's a and, good
0: problem to have. So
1: it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. I could go bigger, but not this year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just like Well and it's it's such a great size. It's just one of those sizes where you can practically yeah, yeah. stick it in your pocket and take yeah. it with you. And... Yeah, I
1: wouldn't go larger form you know, that way I would just do more pages. Sure. So, which yep. I think could it could handle another the thing is you can't just increase by two pages you have to increase by 16 pages okay. or eight eight possibly but from 16 is better so you don't waste paper on yeah. the press yeah as that's how they print it and then they cut it so um, yeah, I have to do at least eight more pages. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, it's great that you're still continuing that and you're still doing you're doing choreography for some productions. Yeah, I I'm understand. doing Root Beer Lady, root beer which lady. is coming up. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. So we'll so, get to
0: work together on that. I'll be yeah. the stage manager for the production. So oh, okay. Looking forward great. to that.
1: Yeah, I may not be at the production. Come August, I have to be very careful about I what I do because that's usually when I get called off Peak fires fire out west yeah, or somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think we're going to have fires that can't be handled by the fire crews that are here mm-hmm. this year i mean we've just had such a good snowpack and it's yeah. been wet so um i only get called if it's so big that they need outside resources mm-hmm. you know they have plenty of resources in most places so yeah. even out west there's no drought predicted so they may be able to manage their own fires locally yeah for most thankfully because
0: it's been yeah. it's been some rough years <laughs> the last yeah, few years with wildfires especially out west crazy yeah
1: Yeah, and sad. I mean, some of it's really, some of it are fires that need to happen. I mean, really, Pagami, although it blew up to beyond what it should have gotten to, it really did some good in there, too. Um, And I think one of the things that always just thrills me uh, working on fire is I can be someplace that looks like a nuclear bomb went off, and three days later, there's grass coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating how life is so persistent and resilient and how it comes starts to come back right away
0: absolutely in, i remember insects
1: there were set i was in a place last year the mckinney fire that was i mean it was horrible it it um, nuked as we call it mm-hmm. when there's really it takes out the soil even yeah. you know and everything it leaves um just t- burned trunks basically and and there were like little salamanders running around six—I mean, they were tiny. They couldn't have yeah. walked that far. But they <laughs> were like six miles from anything that had actual grass or soil yeah. or vegetation. Wow! <laughs> and and they somehow got there. I don't know if they have eggs buried deep in the soil or what. Must and be some of the some of the um, trees were coming back. I mean, there are certain species that just regenerate really well after mm-hmm. fire. So yeah, it's
0: incredible. You know, with the forest here, how it rejuvenates yeah. after a fire. And I know the yeah. year after Pagami going up. Uh, to the end of the Tomahawk Road and Forest Center, and mm-hmm. just how incredibly vivid green it was—yeah, really yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. Well, what a what an amazing life you've had, and, and your contributions to the community here in Ely are, I, I mean, legendary. Honestly, and um, you know, just I've I've become accustomed to seeing you in all these different roles throughout the community. And you know, one of my favorites is at the end of a, a ski or bike race, crossing the finish line, about oh. ready to die, and like, "There's Johnny and Bert. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> I'll make it across the line, but I know they're going to keep me alive."
1: <laughs> yeah. That's That's a really fun activity, especially with a, with a Nordic ski team that we have here is so excellent. And then, um, being at the folk school, that's been wonderful. too. Yeah.
0: You, are you on on the the board? board? Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And when I started on the board, we were actually, you know, we had a really good first few years and, um, I think I came in at about year five and I think we're at eight now or nine or something. I can't remember how long I've been there, but this year, this past year, um, with Lucy Soderstrom as our new Mm. director, she's just Done wonderful things. We've yeah. been able to hire another, you know, person. Alexis Springer is working half time, yep. um, and we're looking to hire another person yet right now. Awesome. Um, so and uh, yeah, we've we actually had. Uh, not negative bottom line <laughs> for 2022. Yeah, that was great. Well, We
0: were just uh, passing by there the other day and just marveled at the number of classes that are posted in the window yeah. there. all of the offerings there. It's yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah, and the range of topics we have yeah. I think is amazing. Yep. I'd like to get a little more fishing and hunting um, instruction going because to me that's probably most our most basic traditional skill around here you yeah know? so yep. we haven't done much with that we've done a lot of birding and some foraging mm-hmm. but we haven't done much with honey and fishing so i'm hoping to recruit a few people to do some teaching i for
0: do that. want to connect with with uh bert and and uh, mark olson and make my own chopper hat. yeah yeah yep.
1: that's actually been our most popular class i bet uh, beaver hat making <laughs> that's great <laughs> so that's really fun Yeah, the Ely Art Walk, that was another one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, what I just feel so grateful for is that, you know, five years ago even, maybe even less than five years ago, I was thinking all of these wonderful nonprofits in Ely are going to die because they're all... Energized by people like me, who are in their seventies, old women, you know, that or guys too, but we're we're getting older, and we're not all going to be around here all that much longer. And there's nobody taking over. And now we have such an infusion of energetic, skilled, talented, wonderful young people. Right? It's so amazing and such a relief to me to think. Oh. Yeah, I actually quit the Board of the Art Walk as of the end of our 2023 Art Walk because mm-hmm. we've got younger people in there. And I'm, I only took it on because I'm not much of a gallery. Pr- I mean, I don't know how to hang f- a picture. <laughs> Fortunately, I have friends that do. But um, I, yeah, I had taken that on because it was going to die. Yeah, um,
0: somebody had to do it. And you somebody in. had yep. to do
1: it. And I, so I did it. And now... Um, and now we've got all these young people, karina yeah. Clare and, and Alexia and yeah, um, yeah, it's and uh, Lacey Squire she's just awesome in this town, taking really
0: such great a and, great infusion, like you said, an infusion yeah. of of young people and yeah. young energy and uh, you know I was a part of the the film festival back in February. yeah oh my and God
1: was that wonderful at
0: one point i I looked around at the crew and I thought, I, I I'm I'm one of the oldest people on this yeah. team. Like, how did that happen? That great. How yeah. did that happen? But so exciting! It just really feels like there's a a cultural renaissance happening in Ely. Yeah. That um, I think COVID, for better or worse, helped with that. It, it made made a lot of younger people realize that they could live in a smaller community like yeah. this, where where there's this great wilderness area here and all and all these different advantages. And you're not in a, an overpopulated urban area. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just, it's really benefited the community. It's great to see that. It
1: really has. And and one of the great things is that they all seem to want to stay here. Yeah. This is not a temporary spot for them yeah. for a couple of years. They're all like, yeah, they're buying houses and you know, moving
0: in. Right. right. Bringing <laughs> their then, parents
1: here. I mean, some of their well, parents are moving here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and, and someone like Ian Law who, yeah. uh, who graduated right from Ely High School, went yeah. away, got all kinds of great experience and oh, came yeah. back here and now has taken over part of the legacy that you began with Northern yeah. Lakes Arts Association. Yeah, it's
1: wonderful to see that kind of energy put into that organization yeah. again, and how much more we have going on this summer. I mean, we always have had a lot going on in Ely. I think people generally complain a little bit like, well, there's three things I want to do tonight.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> how can I do that? And, uh, but we have even more this summer.
0: So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, that's
0: great. We have good choices. Well, it's exciting. And you have helped lay the foundation for so <laughs> much of what helps this community thrive and, and what makes so, it huh? such a such a great cultural mecca. As <laughs> far is. as as far as wilderness towns, as far as you know, what you call a tourist town, there's so much great art and culture and yeah. and things that really build it into a, a strong sustainable community
1: yeah they sure are we're yeah. we're so fortunate
0: i mean i just Agreed. i just
1: love living here and yeah you know i i know that some of the elders i talk to still have the concept that this is a dying town but it is not no. it is absolutely not It's a lot so. of life here some of you are listening to me that think that this is a dying town. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you <laughs> because I have information that you know shows we are not in terms of. Um, I know we don't have the steady mining jobs, but but the money that's coming in from the arts is has you know tripled um, in just a very short time. Um, I think this whole new Illyria Community Foundation and what they're doing with uh, childcare and senior services and well being and uh, fitness um, in the old, the, the Department of Revenue building, Mm -hmm. um, that is going to be a huge addition to the quality of life in Ely. And uh, there are a lot of things I see coming up and I still have things that I want to do that aren't even related to everything I've done in the past. So if I live long enough, we'll see.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to see what the next chapter brings.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll see.
0: (laughs) Outstanding. Yeah. Well, Johnny, thank you so much it's a pleasure hearing your story. It's always good to see you. It's always great to talk with you. And uh, th- again, just thanks so much for everything that you do well, as thanks a part for, of this community. Thanks for
1: having me. And thanks for everything that you do, because you're a big part of us, too. Um, I'll, uh, hopefully, we'll get a radio station back again one of these days. And
0: I wouldn't complain. I'd love to be back on the radio. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, trying to... In the meantime,
1: we've got podcasts and yeah. End of the Road Film Festival and Hidden Valley and the ski trails and Well, and there's just so and...
0: many great things that... I get the opportunity to sort of amplify and to help yeah. help people get their stories out there and help tell the story of this community because it's it's a fascinating story.
1: Yes, it is. That's wonderful. Thank
0: you. Outstanding. Thank you very much, Johnny Hyde. <laughs> thank you so much once again for tuning in. And a huge thank you to Johnny Hyde for taking the time to share her story. What an amazing asset to the Ely community here. As you are for joining in on this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening right now. And leave us a five-star review if you'd be uh, so inclined and so kind as to uh, give us a little boost with a positive review. We certainly appreciate it. As always, a big thanks to the Ely Tourism Bureau for making this show possible. You can follow them on the social medias at MN on the web at Ely.org, and you can email tourism at Ely.org with any feedback and suggestions for future episodes. We always love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Brett Ross. Join me once again for another episode of the My Ely Story podcast. Be well.